Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Finally, the day we've all been waiting for, the day we thought may never come, the source of our anxiety as a fan base collectively uh, is now over. The Boston Red Sox have signed Rafi Devers to an extension. You can interpret it a couple of different ways, but the final ultimate figure is 11 years, $331 million. The deal contains no opt-outs. Interestingly, there uh, is not a no-trade clause in there, so the Red Sox can trade Devers at any time, except... If he's still on the team uh, by July of 2027, Devers will have uh, 10-5 rights. And for the casual uh, listeners in our audience, what that means is once a player's been in the league for 10 years and with his current team for at least the last five, he then has the power to veto any trade. So the Red Sox really only have until July of 2027 to trade him. And then uh, Devers can ultimately do what he wants after that. He can agree to a trade or he can um, he can veto them. So that's the basic outline of the deal. I should probably note that it is still pending a physical, but I don't anticipate any um, hiccups, nothing along the lines of Carlos Correa to derail this. Um, So it will probably be official, I'm guessing, by uh, the end of the weekend. So with that said, uh, joining me tonight, Cody Paulson. Cody, how are you? Hey, everybody. How are we doing? Uh, Nice to to have something good to talk about on on a podcast for, for a change, to say the least. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Uh, like I said, we're gonna. Th- there's a lot of layers to this, and and we'll get into that. Mark Rollins also with us tonight. Mark, how you been, gentlemen? It's a pleasure to be here uh, once again. I am hopping on when I know this is going to be one of the most downloaded episodes. That's just that's just called good timing, my friends. <laughs> I always know how to make an appearance when I know people are going to be listening. No, I'm feeling good. Uh, hey, this is like you said, Red Sox fans' anxiety for the offseason can now just let's all take a deep breath. Rafael Devers is back. I'm a happy boy. He is. So, uh, we'll start off with Cody. So, just your overall reaction when you woke up out of bed this morning, did you think we would be recording a podcast, uh, in, in regards to this subject matter? Definitely not in, in regards to this. Um, you know, funny enough, we had talked about some other topics that we potentially wanted to put out an episode about. And I had just seen, um, oh, I forget the guy's name, the one who ended up breaking the story. I don't want to, I don't want to misquote his name, but uh, I had just seen that tweet float across my timeline and, you know, like, Hey, let's, let's talk about some Cora stuff. Let's talk about some other off season tweets. And I was like, man, there could be another tweet that we could be talking about, but I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to throw you know, any of the vibes off. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of went down this road a little bit with, with Xander, right. We heard the, the 
advanced talks, the hot and heavy or whatever you wanted to call it. And I know I was at work just refreshing Twitter like I was doing with Xander. And and thankfully, this one was a different story. Um, you know, just absolutely thrilled to have this guy locked up the next 11 years. Um, you know, third base, first base, designated hitter. We'll see how that plays out. But I think it goes through his age 36 season. The AAV stays right around 30 million. Um you know, not only is it a great deal for, for him, it's a great deal for us. And if you look around the landscape of Major League Baseball, I mean, this this deal is going to age fantastic. Um, plus, it doesn't take him into his age 40 season. So out of all of these mega deals that have been handed out this offseason, I think it looks the best on top of the fact of the benefit that, you know, we get to keep him on our team. There's just a lot to like about the deal, um, you know, it's, it's retaining that homegrown talent that we hear, you know, we, we can't do or we refuse to do or we don't want to pay. Um, the haters have been quiet, right? You know, we have all those people that were waffling that say, you know, if they sign Devers, we'll be back in on Bloom, we'll be back in on the Red Sox. And they were crowning it. But all the people that, you know, wake up each day with their, their pin tweets ready to go to say, you know, front office won't do it. Um, ownership won't spend money. I haven't seen a lot of tweets from them. So it's, uh, it's been nice on my Twitter feed, at least. Uh, and just uh, for the record, I had to look it up just now myself. That was Carlos Bayerga, a former Bayerga, Mets player yes. that um, broke the news on Instagram. So had some trust issues because there were a lot of like Caribbean-based reporters earlier this uh, offseason with some serious whiffs. So had to take it with hey. a grain of salt. Yeah, and it was also the guy that said the Red Sox didn't deserve Devers, right? And and thank you for for pulling that name. I didn't want to pull that one off uh, the top of my head and and absolutely butcher it or, or get it wrong. So I appreciate the assist there. Yeah, I like I said, I had to look it up, but it Bob Nightingale was number two, broke the news, and then you know the two guys you really want to confirm everything. Uh, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal <laughs> said, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's actually true. Devers uh, agreed to an extension. Mark, go ahead. Thoughts. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the, uh, the screenshot of the Instagram post from Carlos Bayerga and it, shout out Carlos Bayerga. He's been first on a couple of things this off season with Latin American players. I don't know who his sources are, but for a guy that, you know, played, you know, you say former Mets player. I mean, this guy was really good for the uh, Cleveland baseball club that will not be named uh, for quite a while. So, you know, good for him to you know get into this sort of thing after his playing career. But when I saw that, and then I saw that Bob Nightingale was the first person to credit it, I was like, that uh -oh. son of a bitch, Rafael Devers is playing. I think it was Cody that said he's playing in Korea. It was like... <laughs> You know, he's going to be playing somewhere else. It, he's gone. But, hey, man, it's – once I saw the Jeff Passon tweet, it was just – it was perfect. We've got our baby boy, Raffy Big Scoops, whatever you want to call him. It's, it's funny. I was talking to some friends earlier. And they were like, Mark, what if you just went full heel? I mentioned I was coming on this podcast, man. They're like, just do a heel turn. Just go on and act all pissed off about the extension. Be be the Debbie Downer. I thought about doing it. I couldn't think of enough bad things to say about Rafael Devers to commit to the bit. I had, you know, if I just came on and bashed his defense and said he didn't hit 300 for an hour, it wouldn't even be a funny bit. You'd be saying, come up with new material. 
the kid's a stud. I mean, he's an absolute stud. One of the better third basemen in baseball, not defensively, but just in general in terms of players at the position. And he does two things that all Red Sox fans love. He hits so well in the postseason, 162 pace or 162 game pace on his postseason numbers is 50 home runs and 162 RBIs. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And he kills the New York Yankees. He just mashes against the Yankees. Garrett Those Cole the, specifically. Garrett Cole specifically, but I will never forget. It was Sunday night baseball in the Bronx. A Roldis Chapman coming out of the bullpen, throwing 103, throws one up and into Devers, and he takes it out of the park the other way. Like, this guy can just flat out hit, and he does it against the Yankees, and he does it in the playoffs. Will the Red Sox make the playoffs many times over the 11-year tenure of this contract? Who knows? But if we get there, we know Rafi's going to hit. So those are the things that I just love, love, love about this deal. I'm thrilled for a lot of reasons. Uh, Number one, we can shut the hell up about it finally. And uh, it doesn't have to be the elephant in the room. Um I had a ton of anxiety about this because Devers really did have all the leverage. If he wanted to say, no, I want 380 to 400 million, and he towed that line this whole offseason, he could have done it and then maybe got paid that next year. Now, I on social media yesterday on the Bastards account pointed out they're banning the shift next year. There's going to be no shift. Devers is going to be able to shoot the ball, you know, up the right field gap. There's going to be, I'm assuming there's going to be no one there. They could bring the left fielder all the way over to, you know, right center if they really wanted to. That would be very dangerous, especially because Rafi is pretty good at going the other way if he wants to. Um, But his average is going to be up. His extra bases are going to be up. And what that tells me is, his contract value, if he was a free agent going into next winter, if a deal didn't happen this winter, he's a free agent next winter, he's going to sign for a lot of money, a lot more money. So um, I'm glad that it came through. When I saw the deal was announced, I was happy. I was elated. And then about 37 seconds into it, I'm like, wait, wait, are there any opt-outs? Because I can't, my heart can't handle this three or four years from now. If there's an opt-out in three or four years... It's essentially just a three or four year deal. Of course he would opt out. Manny Machado has an opt out next year. He's doing it. He is absolutely opting out. So thank goodness he doesn't have one. I would have loved uh, a no trade clause to be in there, but I can't imagine the Red Sox thinking it's a good idea to trade Rafi Devers at age 30. I just can't. I can't see that. Big Poppy, I don't even... Yeah, I guess he was. In in 04, I think he was probably 28 years old. But but he was kind of a late bloomer himself. And Devers is already... His numbers from age 20 to 25 are, are up there with Ted Williams. And I think Mark's way better at this. Is it Tony Canigliero? Was he the other guy that yeah, was... Uh- in, in terms of power and RBIs, it's Teddy Ballgame, Yaz, and Canigliero, I think, are the three that he compares the closest to. Exactly. So it, it's just absolutely paramount that the deal got done uh, this year. Another thing I want to point out I have before um, 
Here's Devers postseason numbers in the in the traditional categories. He's a 303 hitter in the month of October, 382 on base percentage in the month of October. He's got a 573 slugging percentage and an OPS of uh, uh, 955. These are elite numbers. Those are David Ortiz type numbers. The only thing Devers is really missing is those signature moments. A couple of walk-offs in a in a postseason game like like Big Poppy had. I don't think a, another player is going to dive over the bullpen wall in a in a dramatic grand slam. He'll probably never have that moment, but but Devers has the clutch gene. Mookie Betts did not have the clutch gene. He was a good, very good regular season player, but didn't really show up in the month of October. Xander Bogart's basically the same as Mookie. No, not a guy that's going to put the team on his back in the month of October. Rafi Devers, however, is that guy. I think he's going to be almost as his legacy will will rival Big Poppy's, I think, when when all is said and done. And unless he turns into Pablo Sandoval, which I, I can't imagine because he's such a gamer, um, you know, he's he's going to Cooperstown on the first ballot. So I'm thrilled that it happened, and it was kind of cool over the weekend. Uh, I that hockey game that was at Fenway Park. I forget the name of it, but it's uh, Mark would know. The Winter Classic. The Winter Classic. And John Henry just rousingly just booed as his presence, uh, you know, was noticed uh, at Fenway Park. Wasn't even safe in his own ballpark. Like, I'm guessing by that point, they were probably near the finish line of this Devers deal. And and he was probably aware of that. But if they weren't, I'd like to think that this, that was a good you know, that was a good reason to, to kind of expedite things. So, um, I'm thrilled that, that it's finally done. So a couple of things too here, does he hit third in the lineup? I, I think he kind of has to, if, um, if Yoshida is going to be leading off being a lefty, I suppose he could still hit fourth, but, but, um, you, it just depends on how many lefties we still have. If Verdugo's still here, Casas, that's the other thing. Who protects Devers? You can't, Casas can't do it. He's a lefty. You can't have them back to back in the, in the order. I, I don't think it matters all that much at this point. Like, <sighs> I don't know. It, if Casas is the guy that we all hope he is, I don't think those two going back to back as lefties is that big of a deal. Um, just in general, I like it, if a guy's good, a guy is good. And we'll see about Tristan Casas. Obviously, we don't know yet. And it, I I would hit Devers third, personally. I'd have Yoshi lead off and hit Devers third, make the rest of the lineups the way you want to. I mean, maybe that's... God, I don't even... I don't even remember. Is Reese McGuire right-handed? I mean, no, are, are he's we left. Get... He's a lefty. Yeah, he's a lefty too. Son of, are there any right-handed hitters on this roster? Kike is going to be hitting cleanup. Kike and Story, like uh, Cody just said, both righties. Yeah, story. Wong uh, for now is your righty catcher bat, yeah. which I I'm still I think that he we could sneak that one by, and he he might end up being a good, you know, good catcher, but. 
But it's going to be interesting, the makeup of the lineup, and they're going to add one more player. You know, the significance of that it just remains to be seen. It's going to be a middle infielder, most likely. Uh, I can't imagine it's going to be a middle-of-the-order bat, though. I mean, it probably goes, what, Yoshida, Kike, Devers, Story? I mean, just talking out loud, probably. right? Or you can flip it, probably. Uh, you know, Kike and Yoshida, just depending That's upon. That's pretty you know. plausible, I would say, yeah. That's I not a bad four with Cassis at five? I, I if Cassis is what we want him to be. I don't love the idea of Story hitting clean up in this lineup. He strikes out a lot. If he, if Devers draws the walk, is Story going to draw the walk to keep the pressure on, if need be? Yeah, they. God, it's moments like this. I wish we still had JD Martinez. Um, <laughs> I just you know, in terms of team fit, it's you know, oh look at that, the guy that's been there for the last five years or whatever would be still be perfect in terms of fitting into the lineup construction. But I mean, I don't if, even know. If, Story striking out a bunch. I'd move him up to two and Kike down to four. I thought of that a minute ago. That probably would be a little bit more viable because then then they have to kind of pitch to they have to pitch to Story with Devers behind him. They don't have to pitch to him if he's on the other side of Devers. So perhaps that. But I mean, in a perfect world, Kike Hernandez isn't your number four hitter. He would never hit fourth for the Yankees, the Blue Jays, uh, the Dodgers, like. I don't know if Kike would hit fourth for the Marlins. I love Kike, but it, let's, <laughs> I do too. let's not act like he's the cleanup hitter for the Boston Ideally, Reds. he's a number one or, or two hitter right now. So, but. Ideally, he's a number seven hitter. But again, love Kike. Ideally, I, he's not at the top of your lineup. Ideally, he's a starter that provides depth in your lineup. Because you I mean, know he's like, what, like 250, 265? He was so good in 21, though, and, and was, was bouncing back last year. Yeah, I mean, the guy's good. I'm just, he's not a, I'd say for half the teams in the major leagues, he's not a top-end bat in the lineup. Well, certainly not number four, and that's that's the conversation right now with with uh, that we're, we were just having. So, I hopefully they add someone. I mean, there has to be, Heim's never been sneaky. He's never done something that's like super sneaky good where you're like, oh my God, that was amazing. How did we get this player? But maybe maybe that can still happen. Um, the We're Reds, also forgetting about uh, Turner. No, I, I was thinking of him. Yeah, he and he might end up being the guy to hit after I, Devers. I did forget about Turner. It's Justin Turner. Justin Turner will hit cleanup for this team. He should. I mean, I guess. Out of the options. Out of the options. (laughs) Out of out of those three choices, I'd take Justin Turner in a heartbeat out of between him, Kike, and Story. Just in terms of a guy that you know is going to make contact, you know is going to get on base. He doesn't strike out a ton. Like he seems like the guy, yeah, the power isn't there. Like he doesn't have the raw power story has, but just in terms of who I ideally would like to hit behind Devers, it would be Justin Turner. And I had completely forgotten he was on the Red Sox now. <laughs> I was so tuned out from most of the Red Sox offseason after the Bogarts thing that I was just like, boo. Um, and <laughs> totally slipped my mind. Uh, so another thing of note here, uh, the Red Sox are basically right at the luxury tax. They're either just under it or just over it, but they're they're like right there, right around 230 um, 
that makes me wonder. We've had some Chris Sale rumors. I wonder if there'll be a little bit more urgency in trying to move him. Now, what that trade could yield, uh, it just remains to be seen. Is it going to be a salary dump? Because the more money the other team takes on, the less we're getting back. But that maybe gives you a little bit of room there uh, under the tax. Perhaps maybe you can get something for him if you're willing to eat more money. Maybe that's how you get your middle infielder. Or or maybe maybe you get an outfielder and now Alex Verdugo, who I still think they want to trade. We have a lefty problem. We got way too many lefties. Devers is going to be in the lineup every day. So is Tristan Casas. So is uh, Masataki Yoshida. You don't really want four in the lineup. It can work, I feel. I it yeah, they're a little lefty deep, but I, I still think it can work because we're not talking about four clones of each other. We're not talking about four guys that have entire like the same style of hitting. And obviously we'll see what Yoshi and Casas bring because Casas super young. Yoshi, we've never seen him face major league pitching, but everything we know about Yoshi is and like I said, by opening day, I'm going to have my myself convinced that Yoshi is Tony Gwynn. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But, you know, contact, we got a contact guy, a pretty raw power guy. You know, Verdugo is a, you know, gap hitter, 270, 280 hitter. Like, I feel like they mesh well. They can, you can move them up and down the lineup. You know, Cassis is more of a middle of the order sort of guy. But the other ones, I think, are versatile enough and have a wide variety of styles of hitting where I think it could work in the lineup. I do. And the hallmark for a lot of these guys too is, you know, uh, balls in play, good batter eye, not going to chase a lot of pitches, not going to swing and miss a lot, right? And and after watching last year's team and some of the teams of the, you know, the previous couple of years, we're just looking for opportunity, right? We're just looking to stay in games and, and have a chance for that big knock. I mean, Rafi, I think, what, had 30-plus bombs and, like, 80 RBIs. Like, that's, a, that's you know, a lot of home runs, but a lot of them are, you know, one-run, two-run bombs, right? So if, if we're just getting guys on base, whether it be from a walk, from a double, from a single, or, or whatever, I don't care what side of the plate it comes from as, as long as you're standing on the bag and it's a crooked number. Uh, so there's been some talk. The Marlins seem to be you know, a common team that uh, the Red Sox are talking about as far as certain trade targets. You have that Cabrera kid who looks like he's a pretty solid middle of the rotation guy. Certainly not Sandy Alcantara, but um, that that's uh, someone that they, they're seemingly willing to deal. But the the problem with the Marlins is they want to compete next year and they want major league ready talent. And we just don't have anyone unless they want a guy like an Alex Verdugo. We don't really have anybody to give them. So the name that keeps coming up is Tristan Casas in in the trade talks. That's the one guy they want and who wouldn't want him. I think that's nuts. I think that's absolutely nuts. If, if we were deeper as far as power and whatnot, then maybe, okay, you know, maybe it is viable. Like if Yoshi 
is going to be that guy that we we hope he is. You know, an Ellsbury-esque type leadoff guy that, you know, can, uh, you know, hit for good contact. And Turner is about what he's been, you know, the last few years. Then maybe you can, you could do it. But I just, I don't think we're, we're constructed well enough to, to take a chance like that. And then if he becomes the next Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge, which I don't think is insane, I, I think he could potentially have that type of an impact on a lineup. We're going to look so dumb. So where are you guys at with Casas being traded? Because there's a lot of people on social media that are, are okay with it, which surprises me. I'm... It's interesting because, yeah, do you look bad if you make the deal? Sure, if Casas ends up being that guy. Let's say we trade Christian Casas for Pablo Lopez. I'll throw that name out there. First of all, I I will say, well, I'm just any of the Marlins pitchers, but I I really like Pablo Lopez. Um, I will also just say quickly, any pitcher that, you know, if Miami has developed a pitcher, I want them. I want every pitcher on Miami's roster. They're all very good. If the Marlins know how to do one thing, it's develop pitching. They've done it for years and years and years. So I give me some of that. Um, and it's interesting because, like, yeah, if he goes on and he's an absolute stud, yeah, that sucks, but would Pablo Lopez help us be a better team and help us get into the playoffs and help us compete? If he does all that, then it doesn't matter. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to, but let's say they make that trade. The Red Sox go on a miracle run. Pablo Lopez throws seven shutout to win a world series. No one cares about Tristan Casas ever again. No one in Boston will ever care ever again. And, don't like I people can't see. I see that smirk you've got on your face uh, there, Terry. It's insane people to me. It's it. insane. It, your point is fair and I, I respect it, but I, just to me, I just can't wrap my head. I mean, I mean, is is a guy like Lopez really gonna help the rotation the way it's constructed? Is he gonna be a game changer? Or are we maybe four or five wins better? I'm not saying he's going to be. Is Tristan Casas going to be Giancarlo Stanton? We don't know. We don't know in either of these scenarios what these players are going to be. We can be hopeful. We can say, oh, Tristan Casas, or Casas, excuse me, is going to be, you know, the next David Ortiz. He could hit 220 in his career and have a career like high of home runs of 17. It's just as viable as him being good. That's how crazy baseball is. And he is still a prospect at this point. I know he spent some time up in the bigs, but he is still a prospect. Look at how many of the top prospects in Major League Baseball history have actually panned out. It's not a lot. It's not a ton. Go ahead, Cody. 
this is where my frustration comes from, right? May it be with this fan base, may it be with, with every team's fan base, right? You know, you get on a general manager for stockpiling picks, for, you know, trying to acquire talent, for not depleting the farm system, for not spending money. And then as soon as there's an opportunity to trade the farm system, they're like, well, get these guys out of here. Like, we need to get good talent in. Or at the same time, it could be, well, these are our good prospects. We can't trade them. So, like, which is it, right? You know, it's either it's either you're going to be the guy that says, go get me the top free agent, go spend the money. We don't care about the farm system. Or you're going to be the guy that says, hey, we need to let this talent cook and, and develop and, and see what we have. We can't ship them out as soon as there's a little bit of shine on them. And I think Mark made a great point when he was talking about these guys are still just prospects, right? I mean, baseball is a game whose hallmark is you fail seven times, you make it in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I think the hit rate on prospects is far lower than that. Uh, me personally, you know, seeing Tristan do well at the major league level, albeit in a small sample size, I think he had, what, 197? Sure. But, like, he didn't look, you know, over his skis. He didn't look like he was drowning. He looked like he was putting together competitive at-bats. You know, what competition was he facing? You know, were people throwing their best guys in high leverage situations, you know, against him at the end of last year? Probably not. Um, I'd rather put together a package of a couple of other higher end guys. Uh, I mean, obviously not higher than him. I think he's number two in our system, but, um, you know, maybe package it with a four, a guy and a, a couple of other nice project or prospects, but I'd rather keep Cassis in house than go and trade for, for another starter. It's just, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I really can't. I'm pulling up his September numbers now. Okay, so those weren't... Well, he didn't hit good for average. He was a 206 hitter in the month of September, but did have a 383 on base. So he was certainly uh, drawing some walks. Wow, he drew 18 walks in the month of September. That's uh, that's crazy. Five home runs uh, in in that month. Um, I just, I think we're too close. I mean, we got him all the way up here. I would need an ace. He would have to be in a Chris Sale type trade for me to be somewhat okay with that. He he would have to be. I'm forgetting his name. Who was the top prospect at the time? Still plays. Yuan Moncada. He was the. He would Where's... be the Yuan Moncada you know, of that trade uh, for me to be okay. And in, in that case, you're, you're, you are talking Sandy Alcantara. That's the comparable guy. Um, would it be insane to have him on the rotation? Yeah, I don't have his numbers up in front of me. I'd probably want an extension in place too um, if, we're, if we're pulling that off. Chris Sale had, I think, four more years. So that was, you know, that was a decent amount of time. You didn't necessarily have to get an extension <laughs> careful what you wish for um but to me i just can't it would you would need a a huge haul i i think you, you would need an elite talent to put casas in that deal another one uh, i'm guessing mark will be okay with this uh, i guess i would be too but it's still would hurt a little bit, but that Rafaela kid, I, how do you pronounce his first name? I still can't. I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest. I've only ever seen him <laughs> referred to as Rafaela. I don't even know what the kid's first name is. Okay. He would need a nickname uh, as soon as he. Rafi's taken. So 
He can't, yeah, can't do that. But he's not quite major league ready, but could potentially get a late season call up and and certainly should be uh, in the majors no later than uh, 2024. But I think think Bloom's looking at this right now thinking, okay, we could have Raphael up next year. We could have York up next year. Possibly even Marcelo Meyer, who I think is isn't he starting at Double A this year? Isn't he expected to begin the season? Probably, yeah. If I had to guess. Yeah. So that puts him on track for the second half of of 2024. Maybe if it's an insane season this September, but I, I so I I still can't see Bloom necessarily uh, peddling these guys. This has to be why we're getting the frustrating one and two year deals that we keep seeing year after year after year. But man, we do need some pitching. That was a, was a crazy kind of story that leaked out a a couple of weeks ago, or I don't even know if it was weeks at this point where like ownership viewed starting pitching as a position of depth when everything around it has just been, you know, if you get a bounce back year from this guy, or if this guy can stay healthy, you know, or if Bellow continues to impress, right? Like we don't, <laughs> there's nobody that you can throw out there for 30 starts in, in our rotation right now and feel great about. The best pitching prospect we had that wasn't named Brian Bayo was in the Navy and we lost him in the rule five draft. <laughs> Noah, Noah Song, Song yeah. was going to be a stud. That one I was pissed about. I was, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I loved Noah Song when he was at the Naval Academy. And it sucks, but no, it's not a position of depth. It's a, it's a position of weakness. It has been for years. I would argue even like, you know, when we won the World Series in 2018, it wasn't necessarily a position of depth. You got past the top three guys, and I was like, ugh. Oh boy, <laughs> you know, it, it hasn't been a position of depth for a very long time. So I don't know where that's coming from. I don't, maybe they know some of these guys in the minor leagues better than we do. Maybe they think Winkowski is something, I guess, kind of stinks, but you know, I, I don't understand. I never understood that report. Never understood it. I think they were just trying to just kind of underscore their willingness to deal Chris Sale. So they're like, yeah, we've got depth. It's kind of trash depth, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll listen. And someone told me today, one of my, my friend Robbie, I should say that it was the angels uh, that were one of the teams. I, I never got to follow up on that, but they were interested in Chris Sale. And that just sounds like the most angels move ever. You know, if you're going to trade Chris Sale, you have to, you have to pick up the the phone and call the dumbest team you know and start with them. You know, are you interested? How much money will you take? And you know that that's how you move them. But apparently, the Angels are also interested in Brazier. <laughs> Package them up. I'm just wow. saying, you sign Devers and you flip Brazier for a bucket of balls, and I mean that's an A plus off season. <laughs> Trout. Give me trout. Bring yeah. it for trout straight up. <laughs> That's pretty scary, actually, with his um, injury. He's got that same back problem that David Wright had and had to retire early. 
are we really saying it's too scary to trade Ryan Brazier for Mike Trout straight up? Are you kidding me? They right better now, be Terry? eating some money. They better be eating some money. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I he done. he hasn't been healthy. When was the last time Mike Trout was Mike Trout? It's Mike Terry. He hit 40 home runs last year in 110 games. He's still Mike Trout. He hit He's 40 last year. Very much There's your four hitter. <laughs> he is still very much Mike Trout. Even like I give me 60 games of Mike Trout for Ryan Brazier. I don't care. Dude. It's the like, money I'm worried about. It's I the don't money. I don't care about the money. It's Mickey Mantle. It's Willie Mays. It's Hank Aaron. It's Mike Trout. It might be David Wright. It, David Wright was a whole thing. I'm I'm just I, saying, I, I I would have some concerns. So I'm I'm just looking at the the Chris Sale um, stuff right now. Uh, it was their the Angels fan sided site, so that's all I'm seeing. Someone was trying to to put the Cardinals as a potential fit for Sale, and uh, I forget the names that were involved, but. They were and they were making it sound like the Red Sox would not eat any money whatsoever, which I think is insane. Like, why? If I'm the Angels, the Red Sox are eating money because I'm, like I said, I'm concerned about that. Bad organization. Bad organizations do bad organization things. They are, I should say, expected to have a new owner uh, by opening day. That's what I did read. Yeah, I mean the the Angels like if you have a top 3 worst organization the Marlins and the Angels have to be in there, right? They're in the bottom 3, I would think. At least the Marlins have two World Series. Yeah, in like, 03 in 97. Well, yeah, but hey, like credit to them. They built a World Series winning team and then ownership was just like, no. <laughs> Screw these guys and sold them off. But hey, at least at least they have won. The Angels outside of, well, they did win in 02. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was going to say. With, with Trout coming up and being, like I said, Mickey Mantle for a decade and the fact that they've been to the playoffs once, that's the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard of. They are easily the worst organization in baseball. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can consider the Marlins like a bad organization, right? Like they constantly produce MVP level talent. They just decide, like, hey, we're too competitive. We got to get out of here. People are looking at us. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like negligence or like a desire to not be relevant. But it seems like the organization is running fine in terms of like producing talent. I don't really know like how I would judge them. Now, obviously, if you look at like on-field performance, they're bottom of the barrel because you know, they, they've been competitive, you know, probably a grand total of like five seasons in our lifetimes. Um, yeah, they're, they're an interesting one to, to put like a, a thumb or a finger on. But yeah, I mean, the Angels are absolutely horrific. Every year it's like, oh, this is the year we're going to surround Mike Trout with talent or this is the year we're going to go spend the money, get Josh Hamilton, get Pujols, get – you know, this pitcher, get whomever, and and every year they just they go down in flames. Um, and, you know, I can't think of the last time outside of Trout that the Angels produced any talent for that matter either. Well, let me frame it this way with the Marlins. They've made the playoffs once 
since their 2003 World Series win. That was in 2020 when they expanded the format. And so I, I got to put them in the bottom three. I mean, one one appearance in 20 years, that's... I mean, that's, but are are we calling the Mariners a bad, a bad organization? They went from 2001 until this most recent season, and no one calls them a bad organization. It seems like the organization is fairly well run. Well, it's just... True. And I think Jerry DePoto has brought a lot of credibility to them and has really worked yeah. his ass off to to get them to where they are. They they kind of have the Red Sox problem right now where they can't really attract, uh, you know, key free agents. But but um, yeah, I give I that, give them a lot of credit. They, they signed Robbie Ray last year. That dude won the Cy Young like they they went out and signed the reigning Cy Young winner. So I would say it's not even a problem attracting top, you know, top tier talent. It's they don't. And obviously every major league baseball team has money, but they don't have the as deep of pockets as the Red Sox. And therefore neither do the Marlins to go out and like justify spending that sort of money. I don't know. I mean, they, I forget the names that they were attracting, but I did see some report that they were frustrated that some of the names that came off the board and they just didn't really have a chance at them. Um, but I think Depoto will, will find a way to, to, to be competitive. I mean, who else is really positioned to go on a run when the Astros finally come back to earth? I mean, it's not going to be the Angels for quite a while. It's probably not going to be the A's. Texas. I don't think so. I, I mean, it's just in terms of who's putting themselves in a the position to do so. It's Texas. They're trying. I mean, they're, they're trying. Yeah, they're spending the money, but yeah, I don't know if Degrom's going to start more than twelve or fourteen games. And and same, you know, with the Valdi. First thing I do if I'm. Uh, Oh god, I can't think of his name. The super tall pitcher that now runs Chris Young. Um, when Jacob Degrom arrives in Arlington, Texas, I'm going up to him and saying, "This is Nolan Ryan. He is going to treat or uh, teach you his training regimen that made him pitch 25 <laughs> years in the big leagues. You are going to do everything he says. You are going to be Nolan Ryan Jr. Boom, fixes everything. Nolan Ryan was. A freak. I mean, I just watched a documentary on him. I think it was on. It might have been it's on, on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they think early in his career he was throwing 106, 107. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Was it in that documentary, or is it just like a old school internet rumor that his UCL? was actually like fused together on its own from being torn so early that it like healed itself and it was never able to tear again. That's like a thing about Nolan Ryan's elbow that people say it's like, no, 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 no. He, he tore his UCL. He just sort of like fused it back together. His own body refused to give up on him throwing baseballs. I was going to say, I doubt that he even stopped pitching either. No, 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 no. It, <laughs> it happened like he he missed a little time early in his career for an elbow injury and never had certain, you know, this is pre Tommy John. This is pre mm-hmm. anything like that. And his own body was basically just like, no, that you were born to do one thing, Nolan Ryan, and that's throw baseballs incredibly hard. <laughs> 
He one game he threw two hundred and thirty five pitches. That was his pitch mm-hmm. count. It's just the dude was. Kerry Wood did. Kerry Wood did that on back to back days in high school. So did he? Oh. No, it was Kerry Wood. I want to say it, it was back to back days. I want to say he threw one hundred and forty and one hundred and thirty five on back to back days. That's what killed his. That's what eventually killed his arm. Was going back to high school. People love uh-huh. to blame it on Dusty Baker. It was not his fault. It was his high school coach's fault. That was like, "Hey, Kerry, do it again. Strike out every single batter again." It was fun yesterday. He pitched. Was that game seven of the NLCS in 03? But for the, the Cubs, the Prior. Bartman game. No, that Bartman game was uh, number six, I think. Yeah, that was six. Yeah, I th- I think Kerry Wood pitched the next. Yeah, he night. probably pitched seven. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was either him or Mark Pryor. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, any any other thoughts before we go? I can't believe you just disagreed with me on trading Ryan Brazier for Mike Trout. This is the most ridiculous. It's podcast just the it's just the Trout money. I just. I mean, what is he owed? All right. No, well, we're not signing off just yet. Uh, let me get the <laughs> Trout page up. Uh, Pryor pitched game six. Carrie Wood pitched game seven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Penny was the winner for the Marlins in Game Seven. Brad, Brad Penny. Penny. Wow, I remember Brad Penny. Red Sox yeah. name from '09. I I just I was to... so excited when we got him, even though he was a shell of who he was. It was still just oh, it's Brad Penny. We also got John Smoltz that year. Oh yeah. Oh God, Smoltz on the Red Sox is a memory that I did not want to have tonight. Okay, um, this is gross, Mark. Okay. For how many more years? One, two, eight, I think. Eight more years, Mike Trout is owed just over $37 million. And Terry, he might not be the able to. scenario I brought up. Remember the exact trade scenario that I was joking about. Ryan Brazier straight up for Mike Trout. <laughs> this is the trade scenario we are discussing here. I don't. You can give... just cut Ryan Brazier. Like, it's not, there's no trade that depends on finally ending the Ryan Brazier era. You just get rid I of him. It's a ridiculous hypothetical, Terry. That was the point of me saying it. But you sitting here and saying that trading Ryan Brazier for Mike Trout is a bad idea is the most ridiculous take in the history of sports. I would trade Ryan Brazier for two weeks of COVID-19, if that puts that in perspective. <laughs> Okay. It's it's not that I think Ryan Brazier is untouchable like you're s- trying to angle at here. I just I don't like the trout money. Uh, that's all I'm saying. It, the back injury concerns me. How many DHs do we want on our team cuz we, we we've got at least one long term as of today. And and Tristan Casas, we didn't bring up his injury history when we were talking about trading him. He he gets hurt and it's it's a multitude of injuries. Like he's an injury prone guy, probably a DH at some point. I legitimately, if it gets Mike Trout on the Boston Red Sox, could not care less. Could he, he, not care less. He would look good in a Red Sox uniform and it would work out in the short term, but he, he could be the next David Wright. Now, <coughs> excuse me. What if the angels made him, what if they ate twelve million on every year of that deal? Made him a, a twenty-five million dollar a year player. 
I will trade Raphael Devers right now for myself. <laughs> so you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting, we're done. That, I mean, like, that, that take million. is up there with mine at this point. Well, like just, I, I can't believe that we're sitting here. It like saying, Oh, I'm scared about it. He's arguably the greatest baseball player of all time. We are talking about a guy that is going to be in the pantheon of great, great baseball players. <laughs> <clears throat> I vote for Rafael Devers. He will not be, <clears throat> excuse me, will not be in that conversation. But I don't need Devers to be Mike Trout. I just need him to be Big Poppy, and I'm I fine with that. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But I'm just saying if we're talking about Mike Trout, I can't believe my ridiculous joke led to all of this. Me, me saying trade a terrible six-inning reliever for the best player in baseball. but Spinal stenosis. Played 120 games, hit 40 bombs last year. That's nuts. Yeah. I was looking at the uh, Game 7 like play-by-play, and both Kerry Wood and Troy O'Leary, pitchers for the Cubs, hit home runs in that game. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. I just got distracted, sorry. Baseball history is, uh, you know, pretty romantic, you know, and I can I can watch I can watch any baseball documentary uh, on any era, and oh yeah, I won't retain it it like Mark does, but I enjoy it. (laughs) I've only listen. I've only seen Ken Burns's baseball in its entirety about sixteen times. So yeah, I started (laughs) watching one a couple weeks ago, the one about the '70s super teams. Mm. I haven't seen that one. Really? Oh, yeah, wasn't bad. There's there's a lot of like actual baseball documentaries I haven't seen. Most of the stuff is just me staring at Baseball Reference for hours on end every day. What's your favorite MLB presents? Ooh, the Mark the Bird Fidrich oh, one is really good. Dude, I cried. In that it's one, really when good. his daughter talks about him mm-hmm. and and he die, oh, it's so bad. It's oh man, I'm uh, the big red machine one is really good. I like the Astrodome one. The Astrodome one is good. I'm trying to think. I'm I know I'm for, I've seen all of them, but I feel like I'm forgetting some. So I'm just getting four oh six is right a good now. one. Which one? Four oh six. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, haven't seen that one. Um, There's. Oh, Dusty Baker has a great one. It's called Dusty a ba- uh, Baseball Journey. It's oh. just all about Dusty Baker. It's awesome. I didn't see that one. What, one of the most interesting men in baseball, really. I mean, Dusty yeah. Baker's career is so what? He invented the high five. People forget that. No, he didn't. Look it up. He invented the, the high five? The, First recorded high five is when Dusty Baker was playing for the Braves after, or he might have been on the Dodgers. I don't remember if he was on the Braves or Dodgers, but when he was playing, rounding third base to the third base coach, high five. No one had ever, like, people were like, what just happened? Did Dusty Baker. It's a tough sell. You might be right, though. Um, one other one. Was the bench one, was that an MLB Presents or was that? Yes. Okay, that was a really good one. one. Yeah, I like that one. 
All right, tons of freestyle on this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll try to be back by the end of the weekend uh, to start your work week. So uh, unless, of course, something pressing does happen before then, of course, we'll be back to record it immediately. So, um, But we will be back soon one way or the other. Hope everyone's having a good week. Take care.